Uh, good. Well, oh, there we go. Hang on. Recording. Sorry about that. Um, morning or well, afternoon, everyone. Um, my name's Ryan Mitchell. I'm a director of real estate at um, General Atlantic, um, member of the New York City chapter for, of Cornet, um, and I also chair the Occupiers Forum. Thanks so much for joining us today. Um, we've got a fantastic program for you, but uh, before I introduce our, our panel moderator today, I wanted to make everyone aware of some important upcoming events um, that are happening in October and beyond. Uh, so first, cab off the rank. We have a Occupiers Forum event happening on the 27th of October, which is um, going to be a, a cracker. It's going to be a tour of um, Deutsche Bank's new headquarters, and it'll also feature some commentary from stakeholders that were directly involved in the, in the project. So it is limited to end users only. So just be aware of that. But um, if you do fall into that category or, or if you're not a member, um, please let us know. And uh, the best way to register for that event is to go to the, uh, the Cornet New York City website, um, click on the events tab, and you'll be able to find the event and registration button um, on that page there. Um, and uh, the other one worth noting is, is the big one. It's the Cornet Global Summit, which will be held in person November 7th through till the 9th in Seattle. Um, and it's gonna be a fantastic opportunity to bring the industry back together in person. And if you haven't already registered for that, um, you can do so on the Cornet Global website. I believe there is a link on the Cornet New York City chapter website as well. It's, it's, it's pretty easy to find, but um, if you haven't already and you're sitting on the fence, I strongly encourage you to, uh, to register for that event. So. Without further ado, let's um, get the program started. So our moderator today is Maria Gonzalez, who is a principal and senior consultant at TCOM, which is the leading workplace and technology consulting firm. Maria brings more than 20 years of experience in design, assessment, integration, and management of security systems for leading companies in the technology, legal, real estate, healthcare, retail, cultural, and educational sectors nationwide. She's a certified protection professional, CPP, and leads major multi-discipline multi projects across the country, overseas, and brings together uh, telecom, AV, security, acoustics, and network design disciplines. Maria, over to you to uh, start today's program and introduce our panelists. Thank you, Ryan, and um, thank you everyone for joining. I was thrilled to hear this topic was being discussed because prop tech has become a buzzword with a lot attached to it in our industry. Um, so I figured uh, to get started, we would identify the term, right? Um, what, what do we mean when we say prop tech? So prop tech, short for property technology, um, is the digital transformation of the real estate sector. At TCOM, um, we like to think of this collective term as a wave of technical innovations in the real estate industry focus on optimizing the way people research, rent, buy, sell, use, and manage property. Um, I know there's a lot in there, but um, it's a big umbrella holding all of these things together. Um, we see this as the evolution of Division 25, which is the section in the design specifications that identifies the integration and building automation of Everything from MEP, lighting, security, wayfinding, room and desk scheduling, audiovisual, facilities, and maintenance support. Um, we've been engaged with clients uh, before COVID to help them with uh, their technology strategy, but obviously since this has really skyrocketed 
as a service. <clears throat> We're discovering that in this new environment, it doesn't mean that a single solution provides an equal experience across the board. Um, we are seeing that we have to address the differences between equal and versus equality, right? That has become a big phrase for us when uh, approaching prop tech. Um, and what does that mean? Um, equal versus equality is that when it comes to implementing technology in real estate, giving someone a bicycle, for example, um, as a tool to get from point A to point B, it doesn't guarantee an equal experience. And the reason is somebody may be a child, somebody may be carrying a lot of packages, somebody may have a disability. So this one tool, although it could technically get everybody from A to B, does not guarantee the same experience. And, and that's, that's part of what we do um, in, in helping our clients. So um, we're seeing that using a number of different tools is required. Um, and that involves gathering internal data, uh, doing research analysis to really understand the needs of the firm's employees, understand the space, understand the requirements, and really find a way to bring all that together for a better user experience. And in most cases, as most of you that are familiar with the term know, that's really the most challenging part, right? Bringing all of these things together for for that cohesive experience. So um, with that said, uh, I would like to introduce our guest. Uh, today we have David Rodbard. He is the Global Real Estate Workplace Strategy and Experience for 5G Innovation Labs for Verizon. And we have Matthew Folsom, Global Head of Real Estate for Spotify. So, um, Matt and David have joined us to discuss the unique approach their firms have towards PropTech. I think we're going to find um, just some very interesting insight onto how they and their firms uh, are approaching this topic. And we have prepared a number of questions for them. So we'll be asking them, we'll be having a discussion, and I'll ask that everybody please enter your questions on the chat and um, we'll leave 10 minutes or so towards the end of our session to address, um, to address your questions. So um, thank you everybody again, and uh, we'll get started. So Matt, David, please tell us a little bit about yourselves and what your respective firms have been doing with overall technology strategies before and since COVID. So I'll, Hand it over to you first, Matt. Perfect. Thank you so much. And thank you. Uh, good to see some familiar faces here and uh, hope this is an interesting conversation um, and appreciate your insight as well, David. Looking forward to our, our, uh, our conversation here. Um, everybody, my name is Matthew Folsom, Global Head of Real Estate at Spotify. Um, my mandate um, is uh, uh, global in nature, obviously, and, and more on the obligation and strategic planning side of this conversation. Um, so a little bit less operationally, but obviously have some visibility as to what we're doing there. Um, I, uh, I would say 
from a pre-COVID, post-COVID, uh, pre-COVID for us, it was really about efficiency and scalability. Uh, those are probably the two words I would use. And now, uh, more than anything, it's about reducing friction. Um, so I think for us, as we move into a much more distributed uh, workplace environment, both with uh, uh, the effort of our new work from anywhere policy, as well as a bit of a more dynamic um, uh, workplace strategy than we had previously, uh, it's, it's trying to make sure that employee experience um, is similar uh, everywhere throughout the world. Um, and also uh, effortless in a way. So whether or not that's from a global access program for, uh, for getting into our properties to uh, sort of a seamless and global uh, solution for printing or um, our conference room booking, et cetera, um, the efforts that we're making across the board operationally are, are an effort to, to make it as easy of a process for everyone to get to work as fast as possible. Thanks, Matt. Um, so David Rothbard is my name, and um, you know I work uh, on the Verizon Global Real Estate team. The with the focus is workplace technology, and um, and at Verizon, just the sheer size alone makes everything like a thousand times bigger than 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 um, any any project. Any small project is a massive project just by the sheer size. So we have a lot of different functions across the teams. Um, and my team specifically focuses on implementing and scaling technologies, sourcing, implementing, and scaling technologies throughout our portfolio, um, which, is, which is rather large. I would say before COVID, there was a lot of focus on kind of the nuts and bolts around um, things that would help the strategy team, things that would help oper operations and facilities. And we were doing things on the workplace experience side I think COVID really um, accelerated a lot of that for us. And it, it, it kind of, we had to radically change our roadmap and what we were doing at the time and focus a lot more on, on the employee experience because we knew it was gonna be a rather large challenge um, how employees approach the workplace post COVID. Um, so we've definitely, we've definitely geared a lot of our attention to that in, in many different ways. And some of those touch facilities and operations as well. Um, but I would say it really turned dramatically towards the employee focus, I would say. Great. Um, thank you both. So I, I know that, you know, we've, that acceleration, David, that you're talking about, I feel like we've all experienced that. Um, to that, what type of research tools or assessments have you done to help identify your firm's digital workplace strategy? And David, I'll let you start that one. I can take Thanks. it from there. Um, you know, it's interesting to use the analogy before of, um, of a bicycle. I think, um, you know, you're right. It depends on what you're carrying that bike and depends on what bike you have. If you have an electric bike, it also depends on what other traffic is on the road. And if you're riding in a bike lane, right. Um, as a cyclist, I identify a lot with any analogies that have to do with biking. But um, if you're, if you're in New York city and you're in your, in a bike lane, but you have pedestrians and you have uh, delivery people going the wrong direction and electric bikes buzzing by you, it can be a very dangerous atmosphere. And the hardest part can be just getting from point A to point B. Um, you know, the workplace technology industry has gotten very, very noisy and it's gotten very crowded. Um, and at a company like Verizon, we do get approached 
by a lot of different new technologies. We also look for new technologies to implement. And some of the hardest parts can be just navigating that bike lane through all the noise. So what we've done is we've really developed a, a process to help us navigate that. Um, we have we have one small team that focuses just on scouting and, and looking for new technologies. And we make sure that those technologies meet certain criteria that, that, um, that we have. Um, and before we even go and scout for that technology, we actually do like internal interviews with stakeholders. You know, what's gonna help the strategy team best? What kind of, what are your pain points? And let's look for technologies that will address those pain points. Design and construction, what are your pain points? What can we do to help that? Uh, sustainability and energy. What are, what are certain pain points on that? So we literally have like an intake session with our stakeholders and understand what are the current issues that are out there within the umbrella of global real estate and what technologies can put, are potentially out there that we can kind of navigate that noise and identify. Once we identify them, we test them, um, and they also need to check certain boxes on the testing side to make sure that, number one, it's sustainable, scalable, economical, um, durable, and, and, you know, and obviously from a data perspective, it's, it's usable and it actually meets our objective. And then, you know, lastly, it goes to scaling where we actually, you know, we may test it in a smaller environment. That smaller environment might be, you know, a million square foot building, which is considered a small environment. We'll see how that works. And if it works well, we'll learn and iron out those kinks before we actually scale it to, you know, across maybe it's one region. We'll do it in chunks. It's not like we don't go gangbuster, but we do, uh, we learn a lot in that scaling and that initial phase process. So that kind of gives you a little bit of a picture of how we research, identify, and start deploying, you know, different tools. Yeah, and I will say that uh, it's much the same on our end, probably from, from the research perspective in terms of engagement with stakeholders, both from internally our workplace services organization, as well as um, the broader business, but at a much, much, much smaller scale than David's dealing with. So, um, you know, if we're deploying to a million square feet, that's a significant chunk of our portfolio. So for, for us, it is, it is about, I think, this process of identifying um, very directly what we're looking to solve for. And as I stated in the past, uh, we had the opportunity through COVID to accelerate some of our thinking about um, some workplace initiatives that had already been kind of in process internally. Um, we operated pre-COVID at a, a probably a much larger distributed network than, um, than maybe a traditional occupier. So for us, some of the things like even a technology solution for implementing IT for new employees was a bit more straightforward for us. Um, it's things that we're looking at now is trying to reduce friction for um, uh, across the board for ease of access for, for everyone as we look at our ability for new hires who are maybe working in a market where we don't have an office to be able to access our offices, things like that, that are going directly to the business and, and asking what's relevant is really helping drive some of our, um, our initiatives now and, and into the future. Uh, but similar process, right? We want to make sure we're gathering data before we take we take action, um, especially in light of the market being saturated with opportunity, essentially, for us to help solve some of our issues. That's great to hear. Yeah, there's there's so much out there and more and more every day. So um, one, our next question is, 
what role is technology playing in your new workplace environment? And with both of you coming from major technology firms, um, we know technology has a place, but uh, I'm just curious to hear your insights since I'm sure some of our guests here um, are not coming from technology firms. So um, you share yeah. your take on that. I'll, I'll, I'll take that one uh, real quick. I think for us, in, it's increasingly relevant. And that sounds like a sort of simple uh, simple response. But I think for, for us, where we were pre-COVID from a growth perspective, a lot of our um, uh, strategy was, was simply based around making sure we were keeping up with that growth, right? So implementing broader wayfinding um, kind of tools was only relevant to us in large locations where we had significant square footage that was a bit more straightforward. Now we're in the process where we, we had the opportunity to take a step back, obviously, without uh, occupancy in those buildings to help drive some more decision making that, that uh, again, reduced friction for, for folks when we came back. And so during the, the period of COVID, that's when we sort of implemented our, our new work from anywhere policy and also started to transition to a much more dynamic uh, approach to our, our workspace, moved away from one-to-one -one seating um, into a more neighborhood approach. Uh, for at least the business side, we're, we're gonna be implementing that for our, for our developers here within the next, uh, the next year or so. Um, and so obviously with that, uh, our needs become much more sophisticated as we talk about su supply and demand, uh, seating, um, really everything as relates to, to technology strategy. So it's becoming much more relevant to us than it was previously. Um, and we're still in the process of really trying to understand and define those requirements right now so that we can implement a, a firmer strategy um, in the future. Great. Yeah, I think yeah, uh, it, it's interesting. I, I you know, there the the juxtaposition between a company like Verizon and a company like Spotify is, you know, probably couldn't get more extreme in terms of, of on the real estate side. Um, not only is is Spotify a, a newer company, and they probably built out spaces in the more recent years, um, you know, and and they they probably started on a technology level probably higher than a lot of our existing portfolio. Obviously our newer buildings, like I, like I said before, I'm sitting here in the Boston hub, it's beautiful, state of the art, everything is you know, a 10. But we have some legacy sites that were, that were stuck in 1980, right? Mm -hmm. and, um, and so we've really accelerated bringing those up to speed. Um, and that's been a huge challenge, kind of you know, old legacy sites that still had cubicles. And we've been working on that transition for a very, very long time now when we've been making a lot of progress. I would say with regards to COVID, COVID, like I said before, has accelerated those changes physically. But more importantly, it's, 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 it's changing the entire approach of how we view the employees. And, and how we view the employees changes how we view the workspace. Um, and, and those kind of go, go hand in hand. Um, you know, you can't just mandate employees to come back to the office they have to be invited back to the office and they have to give have a reason to come to the office the approach has been focused on hospitality create an environment where they want to come to the office because that's not just where you happen to meet your colleagues uh, but because it's an inviting place to be and that legacy location is definitely not going to be that inviting place to be so it's accelerated physical change but it's also we've where we've been deploying technologies to really make that a hospitality experience. So you you reserve your desk as you reserve a hotel room. 
you check into your desk as you would check into a hotel room, obviously seamlessly. Um, you book your meeting room with your colleagues so you can have a meeting, and then that can take you straight to a hospitality group that'll order lunch for you, right? So it's technology in a touchless, seamless way that invites you back to the office. And I think that, although we were talking about it pre-COVID, there was kind of this, you know, we, we, we had meetings and strategy sessions. COVID really moved that up uh, in a big way, and I think in a great way, because everyone's looking at it now and saying, wow, this is going to be great once we get back to the office. There's a little bit of motivation, at least I see it on my teams. There's motivation and excitement around, okay, what's that employee experience going to actually be like when we start to see that happen? Because we've worked so hard to make that experience um, somewhat exciting and to make that a destination, to make the offices a destination. Um, and we're hoping that that takes shape. So there's a lot of technology behind it. Uh, you mentioned wayfinding, for example. You know, we, we have our own wayfinding system that we've built where you can navigate to find, you know, and there is apps out there that do the same thing um, where you can find your colleagues, you can find the points of interest, you can find the cafes, cafeterias, the coffee stations, um, and things like that. And across big campuses, that's hard. You can, you reserve your conference room and you can navigate, you know, um, your way there. And, and once again, when you're navigating from building one to building seven, uh, I can't tell you how many times I've gotten lost myself. So these technologies do make that experience much more um, manageable and pleasurable. And I'll piggyback on that just just to, to touch point for us too. That the something that that's an interesting counterpoint to that is is also providing equitability across uh, folks who may not be located in an area where they have an office or won't be coming into the office all of the time. So technology plays an enormous part in allowing for that level of connectivity for folks who are um, what we're calling home mix or on uh, not coming into the office every day. You know their their relationship to wayfinding is going to be very different to somebody who at least sees the wayfinding app every time they're there and maybe kind of knows their way around. Um, so it, it plays a, it's going to increasingly for us play a, a huge um, role in in driving um, connectivity. I think even to to each other to the business to our offices so that the offices do become a place that helps supports our culture, um, which is relevant for us specifically as we, we continue our, our sort of global growth. Yeah, I think that the culture is a key word because the culture of, of return to office, I think for all work workspaces or for, you know, is, you know, companies work very hard on culture. And this is, uh, we, we've kind of come to this collision point where everyone's had to rethink that culture and, and make intentional decisions. Um, and, you know, and for many companies for the first time, because they haven't been confronted with this challenge before. So I think companies um, like ours and yours are, are putting a lot of concentration into the culture and environment they want to create around that experience, which I think is fascinating. Yeah, there's an intentionality now to it that might be just a little bit different, right? Even if there's no action point for us internally on something, it's it's more than likely been discussed that there right. isn't going to be an action point where maybe before think, it was just a bit, uh, it just sort of happened. I think you might have it written on your shirt. Exactly. Listening is everything. I, I think that you both touch on a great point and, and it's what we're seeing a lot, which is, you know, before COVID, some of these tools and some of these features were kind of pie in the sky ideals of, oh, wouldn't it be great to have X, Y, and Z? And COVID has really 
pushed us to say we actually need to have X, Y, and Z in order to have everybody um, come back and have an experience that is pleasant and that is better than their home office or their living room or wherever they may have been working the last year and a half. So, um, or at least provides additional value, right? Exactly. Um, that it drives value. I think our our uh, our perspective is we're not necessarily dry, trying to drive people back into the office, but we want to make sure that it supports um, the collective uh, journey, I think, that our company is on, whatever that may be for every individual, right? It needs to be um, augmenting uh, uh, the environment in which they're choosing to work in. Um, and we need to allow for whatever whatever that means and however that grows um, holistically. Great. Um, so to that, what have you found to be the biggest challenge in developing this cohesive technology strategy? Matt, you want to go first? Sure. I think for us, um, it's probably first and foremost prioritization, uh, right? Um, you know, I think we're a smaller team, and as we're continuing to grow, um, sometimes some of these initiatives can fall by the wayside because it's not uh, necessarily relevant to us immediately, right? There are other priorities to to, to achieve. Um, then I think also this one might sound very simple, but even understanding the requirement, right? Like the, the, what, what exactly are we looking to solve and what provides the most streamlined approach for us to solve that? I think we have an issue sometimes where, you know, data always feels like the most appropriate thing to gather, but ultimately, unless you know how you're going to act on that data, then the data can become irrelevant. And so for us, we're trying to reverse that process, right? Understand, I think what, what you do, David, is, is a great example. Understand like what, what you're trying to, to, what data you're trying to collect first and foremost, and then find the product that fits that. Um, for us, our requirements are probably a little less sophisticated at the end of the day than, than maybe what David is dealing with. Yeah, the, uh, the, the data point is very, is very touchy. Um, you know, our, the terminology we use is data for action. We, we, there's so much data that can be collected, but if you can't do anything with it, um, then it's just a whole lot of noise, essentially. So um, I think the, the biggest challenge that we've had is kind of, you know, because, because of our size and different asset classes, um, we, you know, they're from retail to garage work centers to kind of, you know, uh, industrial distribution type sensors to admin sites like I'm sitting in right now, um, they all have different needs. And um, there's not a one size fits all when it comes to technology implementation. So it's, it's once again, it's kind of finding the right product that will, that will generate the value that will create the data that's actually, uh, that we can analyze and learn from and implement change and improvements. So that process is, is rather challenging, and and you go through a fair amount of trial and errors. And we've done, we've done a fair amount of deployments, for example. Um, and you know, this is just one example. You know, um, people counting, right? Uh, people love to know how many people are in the offices. There's great technologies. There's different types of people counters. There's uh, ones that are lidar scanners. There's beacons. There's uh, there's all different types of types of people counting. What are you going to do with that? If, if it's the strategy team and you're using it to understand the occupancy um, of your building and because your lease is expiring in two years and you may want to make decisions around planning, that completely makes sense. Um, if you're just deploying it for the sake of knowing how many people are in the building, are you going to 
Are you going to order, you know, less toilet paper? Are you going to, are you going to, is that going to translate to catering? Is that going to translate to energy savings? Are you going to dim certain floors? Are you going to, so it really depends on, it's great technology. It really, really is. You need to have a plan of how you're actually going to implement and, and use it, or else it's just data that's sitting somewhere on some server uh, on, you know, likely Amazon Web Services and not really creating a lot of value. So I think really have to follow that logic through and say, what's our plan to leverage and utilize? And I think that'll be that'll be helpful. I think that's a that's a huge um, topic, David. You know, the whole topic of data and who owns it, what you do with it, and what people are comfortable uh, with you doing with it. You know, that could be a whole topic on its own, and it's <laughs> it's something that. Um, we we try to address and, and help some of our clients sort out, but uh, it has its own ramifications um, where data could be king or data, like you said, could just be sitting there in a remote server um, after spending a lot of money in collecting it. Um, so it's it's important to have that that strategy and and really figure out how it's going to be used. So I think I think you really hit on a on a very important topic there. And also um, recognizing that it's not linear, right? That like it could be useful for a while or it could not, might not be useful for a while until it is, right? And even understanding that is in some ways a part of the struggle, right? Like what's our near-term need and what's our long-term need? I'm sure that you've experienced similar things, David, in, in that process that this might be great in five years, but right now it doesn't solve the problem. Yeah. Um, you know, that's also a bit of a challenge in, in looking at, at certain technologies too. So. Yeah. So I think, you know, to that, to that, Matt, that's why I think, especially in our team, we try to maintain this, the, this certain level of, of, of agility and awareness that we have to be constantly open to change. We may deploy technology and relocate it in 18 months. And it's not forever. It needs to be, to a certain extent, not all technologies, but to a certain extent, it needs to be somewhat short term. Um, and, and, and because we don't know exactly what that needs going to be, we don't know how it's going to, you know, if we're going to be able to utilize, utilize it in 18 months. So we're not necessarily, and it's evolving so quickly that we really have to be thinking about it in a more agile approach in general. Yep. Yep. Um, David, you also mentioned, you know, uh, when you talked about occupancy, well, what does that mean? And so that plays right into our next question, which is, do you feel that creating or enhancing the digital workplace in the post-COVID era will bring any cost savings to your firm? Um, I think, you know, it's not always about money. I think money is always a, a you know, it really depends on the technology as well. Uh, so that's a very, very big question. I think it definitely could bring cost savings. Like I said, if we're doing, if you're deploying people counters for the intention of gathering data to make strategy decisions, if you need certain lease renewals, which are very, very, it's a very, uh, you know, it's a very predictable outcome, so to say, and you're going to rely on that data, then of course it can save money if you decide to close down an office as a result of that technology, because there are other technologies. There's like the argument, well, why don't you just use badge data, right? But you get badge data is not always reliable, things like that. So um, I think it definitely could cause, it, it could result in cost savings, no question about it. Um, but many times it can result in things that are more valuable than cost savings or more important than cost savings. It could be you, you're using it to know if you should be, you know, you, 
you're using technology to uh, remotely dim certain sites that you don't need you don't need them to be operating 24 seven. Um, it could be you're deploying technology that you can reduce your consumption of cleaning goods and cleaning supplies because you know that certain sites are running at, at 50% or 60% and it's better for the environment. Um, so the payback is different in different ways. It also could be that you're increasing that employee experience. Like Matt was saying before, they've gone from a one-to-one to, -one to a two-to-one ratio of, of, of desks or whatever it is. Um, so you've already reduced your footprint. Now you're using technology to really bring those employees back and give them that experience that they can work from anywhere. They can pick the desk that suits them for their needs of that day. And are, is there a money on that? Is there a value dollar, a monetary number on that experience? No, but they enjoy coming to work and they'll be more productive, right? So it's a bit of an open question um, and you have to kind of look at at uh, each technology in its own, in its own, with its own metrics of, of success. Yeah, I think the only thing I have really to add to that is for us, I think I try to think about it less from a cost savings perspective. The, the easy answer is, is yes, right? Like I think the bottom line for GWS, our, our, our workplace budget will be impacted by these decisions, certainly in some way. Um, but I think, it's switching that focus to, to think a little bit more about efficiency, right? And, and the value that it can provide the business. Um, that can be cost savings, but most likely that cost savings is going to be equating to investment for us in some other way. So it's less really about making sure we're reducing a footprint or we're, we're being um, uh, creative in terms of our like bottom line um, and more about creating efficiency and sustainability uh, and flexibility uh, that is not necessarily quantitative. Um, that there's the, the qualitative that absolutely has to be considered in this as well. So. I, and, and I agree with you both. Um, we're seeing that cost saving is sort of taken the backseat, right? Because when trying to identify these technologies, trying to identify the platform that's going to be used, you know, thinking ahead past COVID is what we're seeing is what some of these new tools may be leaving behind is not so much cost savings, but also energy saving, right? That's, that's another big driver for, for some of, for implementing some of these tools, um, at least from, from what we're seeing. So that's, that's really interesting to hear from, from both of your sides. Um, the next question is that, it's a two-part question, um, and I'll, I'll let you guys um, how, address it however you see fit. But what workplace platform or tools, and I think for the audience here, we're looking for some more specifics, um, but what workplace platform or tools has your firm already deployed for the hybrid workplace experience? And how has that been received by your employees or visitors thus far? David, you want to take take this one first? I'll take a quick step. I'm looking step. for volunteers here, David and Matt. Well, I mean, you know, I'll I'll, I'll name a couple. Um, some of them are internal products that we've built, um, so it might not be familiar. I mentioned uh, I mentioned um, I mentioned density before, which which is might be might be known to to most of the folks here. They they there are people counting. We've kind of um, you know we've we started that density program you know, a few years back, I would say. So it's not something that we're necessarily, that's new in terms of, um, of post COVID. I think for COVID, 
for post COVID, I would say we we created a product which is which is you know not the sexiest name, but it's called Book of Space, which is pretty simple. Um, that's kind of our desk reservation system. The desk reservation system. It does tie into, so that's the one I was talking about where you can reserve the desk. Um, managers can schedule their employees, pre-schedule their employees. It's kind of like a little bit of a nudge approach. Hey, it'd be great if you came in the office twice a month. <laughs> How about next Wednesday? Um, so there's a little bit of a nudge approach where, where they're setting some expectations. It's not, uh, it's not, it's not mandatory, um, but, um, but we'd like to try to, to bring people back um, and, um, and then the employee can obviously check in and they could go from there to another product, which, was, which is called Finder, which they can navigate internally um, to where other colleagues may have checked in somewhere else in the space um, and things like that. So that's kind of our, our desk reservation. You know, it's a bit basic, but it's actually, it's actually a great tool. Um, I would say the other one that we've done that we've scaled recently is a company out of Norway um, called Infogrid. Uh, they have little microsensors um, that um, that kind of these microsensors collect connect to cloud connectors that connect to 4G and send push the signal out to the cloud. And what they do is we were able to really scale that over um, COVID. We had to monitor so many sites that were not accessible, either not accessible or weren't or people weren't going into. Uh, we were able to monitor, you know, tremendous amount of data points, leak detection, humidity, um, you know, temperature, and, 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 and it was a low cost way of deploying if certain doors have been opened, you know, or not. So if, if people were actually entering that site, we were able to monitor that remotely as well. So we've deployed a fair amount of that in different, um, different sites, which gives us a lot of insight into how our spaces are being utilized. And, it, and we've built our own alerting system where if there is a leak, you know, the facility, the FM at that site will get alerted. You know, it's something, you know, it's something we don't think about that often, but when you have a site that you've either, that's not being utilized and a water line busts and you don't have a way of being notified right away. And it, that leak goes from, from, it always happens on Saturday at one o'clock in the morning until maybe Monday. And if it's during COVID, it can be even longer, right? So simple deployment of IoT devices that can monitor those resources across the portfolio are extremely valuable. Um, they save time, money, aggravation. You were going back to the money. Um, these are things that can definitely, you can see the ROI in hard, in hard um, results based on, it's a low cost of deployment. We're not talking about wiring, it's IoT devices. Um, and the benefit is pretty clear where you can kind of know that your assets are protected, at least in a physical way, to some extent. So that's that's something that we've um, rolled out. Um, there's a couple of others, but I'll I'll uh, I'll turn it over to Matt for uh, for things that you guys have done. Yeah, no, this is this. I think it's uh, probably better perspective on your end because we're we're maybe three thousand steps behind you there a little bit. Just just by nature, probably of our portfolio directly, right? I mean, just commercial office space. It's a little bit easier for us to rely on 
landlords essentially to provide some of uh, the detail as needed to, to those items. So our, our primary implementation strategy has been around existing softwares, uh, creating efficiencies, right? I think the easiest one to say is, you know, using our, our guest management software to help drive um, our reoccupancy a little bit, right? Very simple solution there to make sure that we're doing reservations through, through that. Um, we just implemented um, sort of a, a, a newer, have been in the process of our, our global uh, rollout for kind of a one access control. Um, that's a technology solution that, you know, needs integration with, with landlord systems as well. But um, as of right now, we're in the process for 2022 planning to take a look at some more direct um, uh, implementations that are coming out of COVID and our workplace strategy changes, right? So um, sensor implementation, et cetera. Um, and then some overall, I, I say strategic analysis to help us drive decision-making, but that's all in process. Um, so uh, I would be curious of collectively the group, even after this, to hear a little bit about uh, other people's strategies as well, because we're kind of mid process, if you will, um, at the moment. Yeah. I Sorry, I, I was just going to say one, you know, one other thing. I think the other thing that people are really concerned about during and post-COVID is obviously air quality, and there's a lot of technologies that have come out around that. And I just wanted to mention that just because I think it's, it's extremely important. We've deployed some technologies that, that kind of, once again, um, you know, hypersensitive to air quality, um, and, and we'll give certain notifications around, around that. We've tested different things where one of our offices, I think it was in like Estonia where they come in on hazmat suits and they kind of spray everything down with something that is supposed to kill everything for like two months and makes it like, you know, so we have tested different different things, but for the most part in terms of IOT devices that do um, communicate remotely, if there is certain, if there's, you know, it's a certain if they test certain things, constantly testing the air for certain particles and will notify us if there's anything hazardous, um, things like that. Um, the other thing in terms of the post COVID is, is cleaning. So we've impl implemented some technologies that we haven't fully scaled yet, but where we're able to communicate to the employees the last time bathrooms were clean, the last time certain common areas were clean. Some of these things are simple, but they're important for the employee experience. So. I just want to stress that it's not always about the complexity of the technology, but it's about what does it do for the employee experience, and and there's value around implementing and and you know solutions that are able to um, communicate to the employee that we care, we care about your well-being, we care about your health, uh, we want to deliver the safest office environment you know for you, um, and that should be that should not be a concern around you coming back to the office because we've created that safe space. And I don't mean to say that in a therapeutic way, but just in a, in a physical way, we, we have created that environment where you should feel comfortable uh, coming back and, and being productive. And, and to the, that second part of that question, and, and David, you probably, since your, your strategy is probably further along than, than Matt's, so it seems right now, have, what's the feedback from your employees, visitors? Um, are, are you guys collecting that? What do you feel is like the number one thing they're looking for or, or they're requesting or, or rejecting when coming back? For employees, visitors, or for the, for the employees, you employees mean? Employees and, yeah, employees and visitors or, or, and, or in general. Just Okay. Well, we haven't really, uh, I mean, there have been visitors, but I would say visitors is definitely a, a much smaller, uh, 
you know, group at this point for sure. I'm, you know, very, very small. Um, I think, um, I wouldn't say we've hit the point where we're getting direct requests for what they want. We have kind of, we've obviously put feelers out there. We've done certain types of, you know, surveys and internally, um, even within the global real estate team alone, um, to understand the needs of, of the employees. Um, you know, I think it's, I think just, it's not directly answering your question. The hardest part of this working is really the fact that people will have to change the way they have worked. I think this will probably be one of the biggest challenges in general. Um, and it, it, it's, uh, it's, it's something that we're working very hard on, especially with a big organization, but the truth is any organization. When people have to change what they've been accustomed to and how they've been accustomed to working to now working a new way, that behavioral change is a very, very tough curve. It's, um, there's change management teams that we rely on heavily for that educational component, for um, making people comfortable with those changes. People under, need to understand those changes. Change scares people, right? So not only are they scared of COVID, scared of coming back to the office, they may have had a death in the family or an illness in the family or just life changes in the process. Now we want them to come into a changed office environment, right? Like the last thing they need when they've been working from home just fine for 18 months. So, you know, I can't stress enough how important communication is in, in, uh, in, in, this, in this entire arena and how it needs to be seen through their eyes, not through my eyes not through your eyes, but it really needs to be seen through their eyes and there are so many different eyes, which is a big challenge. So we have to communicate in different mediums and different ways. Some people don't want another town hall. They just send me a video, send me a, tell me what I got, right? There are so many different ways that people like to be communicated to. I think that's probably the biggest challenge. I definitely don't have a solution. We definitely are working on different approaches to be able to communicate to different people. Um, but that is definitely a, a rather big challenge that I wish everyone on this, on this uh, call and who they, and who they obviously um, are responsible for in their respective workplaces. Um, you know, it's a big challenge and I hope everyone kind of approaches it in their own way um, because it's very important. Yeah, I think whenever you figure it out, David, you can start your <laughs> consulting business and we'll all pay you for that insight. So. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> um, I, I want to leave some time at the end for a couple of questions, but any last minute, um, any experiences, lessons learned that you want to share? And Matt, I'll start with you. Um, I, I think for, for me, it's over the course of this period, as we look to, to understand, uh, you know, th this sector a bit more for us, consistency is key. And I, I, I will reiterate and also agree with David's point on communication. I think the biggest thing that we're seeing as a learning out of this is being able to describe where we are in our process, whether or not it's about uh, why we're doing the technology implementation that is visible to employees um, or how that impacts their daily experience with coming to the office. I mean, as an aside, it's been an interesting process for us to get feedback both from existing employees who might have been hired into an office and are transitioning into a new environment or juxtaposing those with employees who were hired 
at home and have never touched a physical Spotify office in the entirety of their employment. Those two perspectives are, are equally valid um, and can in some ways be in direct opposition of each other. So uh, for us, it's, it is about making sure that we're consistent in our approach, um, overly communicative, and also quite honest, uh, open to, uh, to, to pivoting um, when we need to. So. Thanks. Um, I just want to. I just want to say that um, you know, I went into the office last week just to take care of something. I went into the office in New York City, and um, and there was only eight people or so or so in. And it wasn't. It's not a huge office on on Forty Second and uh, and Sixth Avenue. Um, and but I did walk around and talk to a few of the people that were there to ask them if they've used some of our technology that we've been you know working on implementing and what their experience was. And it turned out that two of the guys were on the product team and they had some great feedback and questions and, um, and they were working on a different product that was very interesting to our team. And um, we both had this realization at that, at that same time that this is why it's important for people to actually have those interactions. There's only a certain amount of, of productivity you can do at home. You can do a tremendous amount at home. But especially with medium, big size businesses, there's so much that happens just by being in an environment where there's other activity taking place. You can learn so much from your colleagues. You can't do that from behind a screen. You can learn so much from meeting people on site and interacting with people on site. That doesn't just happen you know, randomly. Um, so I just encourage people to, to you know, think about that and, and, and when they're ready to take that step. Great. Well, thank you both. We have some questions in the chat. Um, I'm gonna be reading out. So the first question we have is, how do you keep projects from spinning out of control because of both portfolio size and function? I'm assuming that's for me, at least the portfolio size <laughs> one. <laughs> I would assume so, yeah. It's a great question. I think um, the, way, the way we do it at least is by setting up tiers. Um, we prioritize the sites that we're going to be deploying to and we pause and we measure success and we have to do like an honest integrity check and say, uh, and sometimes that integrity check might take a year. We might not know right away. We're in it for the long game, depending on what the technology is and what we're doing. So um, it's not like, you know, you're, we can't have it spin out of control. And if we sense it spinning out of control, we have to be, we have to pause and stop and, and rewind and make sure that we, that we have control, um, which is often hard when you're a very, very big machine and there's a lot of, you also lose quality that when it spins out of control, you're likely gonna lose quality of the deployment, whatever it might be. Um, so it's really important to kind of think through what your deployment strategy is, Think through the critical sites that you that you do need to do or test that are most important work and perhaps give you the best use case um, to review and then take it from there. And I'd say the only thing that I would add to that is uh, I think from our internal organization, the challenge that we always face is complexity by function. Uh, things shift quite frequently for us uh, organizationally. And so we kind of go with the steering committee approach when looking at rolling out certain workplace changes. And so we have consistency and feedback we're getting from whatever business unit we're dealing with, which helps align that strategy, even if the implementation, the requirements, the scope may change based on um, 
sort of time length. Uh, we try to make sure that we have connectivity to the stakeholders at the end of the day. Uh, it sounds overly simplistic, but it's been very helpful for us long term, especially with some of these workplace initiatives that might take uh, a fair amount of time to implement. Um, we tend to find that requirements, even in a build out, for instance, uh, can change mid project. So um, that helps. They, they always do. Always do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the next question we have, and I believe this was partially addressed already, but um, do companies such as Spotify and Verizon create their own proprietary products or do they purchase off the shelf? What is the balance? My answer is very simple. We haven't yet. Um, we've explored it for certain aspects of, of some technology solutions, but it's uh, generally um, generally third party. We feel that we can get the what we need better and quicker probably than we can develop it internally, at least to date. Um, we evaluate both. Um, and uh, and sometimes sometimes because of our size and our diversity in terms of our, our assets and other things, uh, there's so much customization that's needed um, that it makes sense to build it um, instead of modifying something usually rarely out of the box, but it really depends on, on the technology. We do use a lot tremendous amount of out of the box. Um, we will not entertain anything that doesn't have an open API that can communicate to our kind of let's call it a global dashboard where we can view everything because we're not gonna log on to 12 different portals of different sites. So it's gotta be able to communicate to what we have. That's like a just, it's a, it's a showstopper if it can't. Um, and it just depends on the technology. And if, there's, if the modification and customization is so much, then we'll definitely, it might be easier to build it because we have those dev teams that are building so much already. It's an interesting point, I think, the API sort of uh, challenge, because you'd think that was straightforward, but um, sometimes it can't be. So uh, I mirror that, right? That, that the integration ease is also a huge uh, factor at the end of the day. Agreed. <laughs> um, how do you balance privacy with data and technology? That's our next question. I can tell you at Verizon, we're extremely, extremely rigorous and strict with data. With data. Um, uh, with, you know, for us to onboard a vendor and get through the data compliance team in order for anything to touch the, the network, especially, but even not the network, you know, so if it's going to have employee information, it's already probably very, very hard to implement. And, um, you know, so a lot of this stuff that we're doing is, is, is facility based. It's not, it's, you know, so we, but it still needs to go through a rigorous compliance um you know, process before before it gets approved. Yep, same same thing here for us. Um, and then if there is an element or an aspect of it that does touch um, sort of more employee data um, uh, or that could be seen as a privacy risk to, to employees, then it's a change management kind of situation to describe the process, describe what we're collecting, why. Um, but yeah, it's a very, very similar approach to David on our end. Great. Um... I see the next question for David is, David, I see 5G in your title. Are you seeing building owners and institutions bringing 5G access inside their buildings? Um, not yet, but it's starting. I mean, the building that I'm sitting in right now is one of the first commercial buildings to have like an internal 5G network. Um, there are conversations with the product team on how to productize that um, for other uh, for other landlords uh, for other building owners. Um, I wouldn't say that's something that's scaled just yet. I'm not that close to the 5G product 
team as much as I've been involved with developing um, labs for companies that can build and utilize the 5G network to scale their small businesses. Great. The next question I have here, David, also for you, in what ways are you utilizing the data collected by density sensors? So I touched on that a little bit earlier. I know we're down to two minutes. Um, so I just want to be mindful of time. Um, we're, you know, we're right now, I would say we're using it for, um, for making strategic planning decisions. We're still deploying it in other buildings um, in like we're de we've deployed it in this new building. Um, and, you know, we kind of, we're at the process now where we're going to revisit, we're actually going to revisit and just understand, like, like a sanity check, like I said earlier, we have to pause and say, how are we leveraging this? Let's make sure it still makes sense. Like it made sense five years ago. Let's make sure that logic is still sound because we have to do an internal integrity check, constantly asking ourselves those hard questions and making sometimes hard decisions. Or maybe there's a new business case that's arisen in the past five years, but it's not a one size fits all answer. There are some uh, strategic planning. Uh, like I would say the most that we've used, most of our deployments have been in our previously for density have been, a lot have been in the flexible space. So if we had a WeWork site, we wanted to see the utilization. It was a small site. It wasn't a Verizon office. It was a small Regis site. We wanted to monitor the occupancy at that site. Uh, because it was not something that we were managing in any other way, really. So we put in a couple density sensors. Um, we've scaled back that part of the program uh, with COVID. Understandably so, they were not being utilized. So we still have to revisit that and ask ourselves those questions on future deployments um, and some existing deployments. Great. Well, I, I think we've addressed all the questions um, in our chat. Uh, and I think we're just about at time. So I think it worked out. Thank Good. you, everybody. Matt, David, thank you so much. Um, sure. this, was, this was really great. Thanks for your insight and, and sharing your experiences. Thank you. Appreciate thank it. Thank you. Have a great day. Cheers. Bye-bye.